It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on this edition of Locked on Wizards, we take a trip down memory lane with broadcaster Scott Jackson looking at the Wizards in the early 2000s, a time when Jackson hosted the pre- and post-game show for the Wizards and worked with NBC Sports Washington looking at players like Richard Hamilton, Michael Jordan, Gilbert Arenas, and leading up to the John Wall era. So buckle up and enjoy the ride here on Locked on Wizards. Hi, welcome to another edition of Locked On Wizards. I'm your host, Renee Washington, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, where you can buy the best-tasting protein bars with a variety of flavors that are all healthy to eat. Now that the Wizards are done their season, the question is, where do we go from here? And it's very important to me that as we prepare to look forward to the future of the Wizards, we take some time to look back at where the Wizards have come from, specifically looking at the start of the early 2000s, So joining us here on Locked on Wizards, we've got broadcaster Scott Jackson, who hosted the pre- and post-game Wizards show on the radio in the early 2000s and also worked with NBC Sports Washington for the Wizards post-game show. So I am excited to take this trip down memory lane with him as we go over the history of the Wizards. Welcome to the show, Scott. All right. Thank you, Renee. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I'm happy to have you here. And I'm excited to take this trip back to look at the Wizards in the early 2000s. You started covering them during a tough time for the franchise, to say the least. Coming off of a lockout season in 99, the Wizards had a terrible season the following year, winning just 19 games, one of the fewest amount of wins in, a, in the franchise history in an entire season in that 2000-2001 year. But you also got to be a part of some pivotal moments for the Wizards. That year, looking specifically at players, they just saw the move of Chris Webber to Sacramento. You had Hamilton, Richard Hamilton. You had Mitch Richmond. You had Juwan Howard, Rod Strickland, Otis Thorpe. A lot of big names in Wizards history. And a team that was in rebuild mode, which sounds familiar for Wizards fans. So what do you remember from that year? And are there any parallels to what we're seeing from the Wizards now, actually? I don't know if there's any parallels right now because that was such chaos. I mean, that was complete, like, and you got to remember, you go back to that offseason, Michael Jordan had a real hard time finding a coach 
I ended up with Leonard Hamilton, who's obviously been a terrific college basketball coach with stints, you know, going way back to Oklahoma State and then the University of Miami, where he was when he came to the Wizards. And obviously, after his one and done stint with the Wizards and, you know, hey, Leonard did well. He cashed in. He got paid for three more years and then it then lands on his feet at Florida State. And so a tremendous job at FSU. Um, and he was a good man, but he was definitely in over his head. And that team was a disaster. I mean, they started the season with you know rod strickland and uh mitch richmond was still on the team and Jawan howard rod and mitch were injured most of the season and not interested in, in even trying to get on the court really it didn't feel like Jawan was still playing hard but Jawan, you know was always seen as the guy who was way overpaid and it wasn't Jawan's fault i mean the, the wizards actually initially lost to Jawan in free agency to the heat and people remember that whole fax machine thing where the heat <laughs> got dinged for supposedly sending the fax out too early on the offer sheet and all that craziness so Jawan ended up back being here with the Wizards. And at the time, everybody was so happy Jawan was back. And then it turns out years later, everybody couldn't stand Jawan being here. It was just a terrible thing. And, you know, Michael, so he went through that, you know, had a hard time getting a coach. And Mike Jarvis, who, of course, said the former GW coach and St. John's coach turned down the job at one point and many others turned down the job that never really saw the light of day that MJ tried to get here. And then in the end, he ended with Leonard. And again, he just, it was in a bad spot. And then Michael knew he was going to come back and play at the end of that season. So he didn't waste any time. He literally fired Leonard at the end of the, uh, at the end of the night on the last game of the season that year it was a really strange uh, situation. And, uh, you know, just a few days later, Doug Collins was the head coach. I mean, it, it moved quickly, but, um, you know, I just remember that year being a little nutty. Um, everybody knew they were going to be probably really bad. And, you know, you had, you got to get rid of the dead weight. Uh, he was able to do that, trading out Juwan, you know, before the deadline that year to Dallas and getting some veterans back. You know, nothing great came back, per se, but he got some pieces. You know, Eton Thomas played here for a while. It wasn't a, he was part of that deal. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Courtney Alexander, who really never never really developed the way they thought he would once Michael came back and played. He had a pretty good end of that season with Richard Hamilton. And, you know, Rip, obviously, who was the Wizards draft pick, was, was really good here. And the fact that they let they traded him for Stackhouse to probably one of the – worst moments in, in Jordan's history of running the front office here. I uh, was not a good move, obviously. And that one really came back and hurt them. Um, but yeah, I just look at that team. I just remember, you know, the relief uh, in that season when they were able to move Juwan, they bought out Mitch and, and Rod, um, you know, and it was just like, it was at that point you saw, okay, now this has got a chance to, to maybe start somewhere. And it was going to be a long process, but at least they're starting somewhere. And, you know, Michael coming back, you know, there's, it was it was interesting because there's a lot of mixed emotions about it it's just still to this day, whether he hindered or helped uh, the franchise. All I know is this. Nobody cared about the franchise, okay, <laughs> at, at that moment before he came back and played. And then for two years, they sold out every night, home and road. Um, so it literally, you know, was like a, a franchise coming out of a coma. Uh, and from, like, the Wizards were never on TV to, you know, national TV games all the time. And that first year they were with Michael, they were very competitive going into the All-Star break. They were one of the better teams uh, in the East and had a chance. But Michael, he banged knees to Tom Thomas in a game against the Kings. He was never the same after that. Eventually had to shut, shut it down that season. And that really changed everything for, for the Wizards that year. Otherwise, I think they would have been a playoff team. And I think history might have been a lot different. But it was unfortunate. And then the next year, there was just a lot of backstabbing and bickering and a lot of hurt feelings. Jerry Stackhouse came in here after the rip tray. Stackhouse is really wanted to be the guy here, thought he was going to be the guy. And he, he found out quickly he wasn't because Michael was still here. And, and he just – they never meshed everybody the way they thought, being Carolina brother, brother. And it just – it never worked out. And it was – it was not pretty. I mean, I, I could see it from early days in 
camp that there was going to be some ongoing jealousy and Jerry's end of it. And, you know, he wanted one thing and he, he got the other. And I don't, he didn't like it. And, you know, he made it be known pretty early. And Michael wasn't going to give it up. You know, you, you just hit on so many things that stand out there. Uh, and I'm going to focus on Michael Jordan when, yep. when he came into the franchise and was like, you know what? I'm just going to fix it on the floor. I'll just get back to play. Yeah, right, right. If I can't fix it in the front office, I'll make it happen on the court myself. And I know that to this day, as you mentioned, there are a lot of people that still question whether or not that only – if that hurt his career, if that hurt the Wizards in any way. As you mentioned, the numbers that year, the Wizards were selling out. There were 41 home sellouts, 38 games on the road. They won 18 more games, which is definitely an improvement in itself. And as you mentioned, it was like a resurgence around the program. Like there's something exciting and a reason to watch the Wizards play. Whereas before Jordan was there, there was not. Of course, he led the team in scoring and assistance steals. And, but more importantly, he was helping to be a part of this team that, as you mentioned, was in a coma in a sense that was just the bad news bears with a lot of issues going on on and off the floor. And him playing with the Wizards was just – First of all, it was just odd from a basketball standpoint to see Michael Jordan, who had been with the Bulls all these years, come yeah. back and now play with the Wizards. Huge, huge switch from a championship team with the Bulls to now one of the more struggling teams in the league with the Wizards. But, you know, looking from what Michael did in those years, it's unfortunate that he, you know, as you mentioned, was not able to come back and, and play at the level that we know Michael had played at. There's a lot of factors that play into that, of course. But overall really gave D.C. something to look forward to in those couple of years. Even at 40 years old, he was still someone that fans were coming out to see and love seeing since he is one of the boats, of course, across all sports, not even just basketball. A household name across all sports. But coming up, we'll continue this trip down memory lane with Scott Jackson right here on Locked on Wizards. Start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes. Axios Today host Nyla Boodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. Let me tell you guys about the delicious treat that's going to allow you to snack healthy. That's right. You can do both. If you know me, you know I have a sweet tooth. I enjoy cupcakes, cookies, brownies, all the sweets. And Built Bar actually has delicious flavors. Let me just run down some of my favorites. Cookies and cream, double chocolate, mint brownie, salted caramel, yes, caramel, not caramel, and peanut butter brownie. Delicious. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they're healthy. So it's great if you are on a keto diet or working to lose or maintain weight, you can do all that while snacking on a delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and I definitely recommend Built Bar. So if you head over to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your next order. Now you can save money, eat healthy, and eat delicious. Doesn't get any better than that. So go ahead on over to BuiltBar.com and try the best-tasting protein bars, and I can guarantee you from me to you, you will not regret it. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
We've got Scott Jackson, broadcaster that hosted the pre- and post-game show for the Wizards, as well as the post-game show with NBC Sports Washington, covering the team in the early 2000s. He's been a part of the Wizards' journey and has followed them over the years. Let's pick up where we left off. Looking at the post-Jordan era, you know, I'm definitely curious to know, after Jordan came in, he kind of like lit a fire under the Wizards franchise, got excitement back around the team, had everybody looking forward to, to watching, to if nothing else, see Jordan. He's done, and here comes Gilbert Arenas. And uh, that 2003-2004 season, moving forward in that post-Jordan era, as I call it, tell me about it. (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, Michael didn't get a lot of credit for some of the things he did here, but he really left the team in a good financial spot because when he got rid of those big contracts, um, you know, he he also, with – one of the things people forget about is there was not a lot of money in free agency that offseason. There were not a lot of bidders that could really keep Gilbert or could get Gilbert Arenas at that time. It was so hot. And he was a, you know, two years in the league and he was allowed to become a free agent because he was a second round pick under the, you know, under the rules back in those days. And, you know, it was really the Wizards and the, and the Clippers and both of them were kind of in the same spot, which were they were the kind of the, you know, the joke of each one of their, you know, coasts, you know, the Wizards and the, and the Clippers are not very well respected. Gilbert, people thought being from LA would, would go to the Clippers. Uh, he ended up coming here. The Wizards had a little bit more uh, of an offer for him. And, you know, part of it was because Jordan had a, a deal with, uh, you know, was able they were able to get a little extra money that offseason because uh, Brian Russell, uh, of course, who Jordan made the famous, which should have been his last shot of his career in front of uh, with the <laughs> Chicago Bulls in the championship in Utah. He was here for a couple seasons. But he had a he had a um, he had a uh, player option that that offseason that he didn't trigger in time he missed the deadline which was stupid because he lost money not doing it and it wasn't intentional but he and his, his agent missed it and that freed up a little extra money the wizards had there uh and ernie gruntled had to go get michael jordan and you know they they turned it around pretty quickly that first year wasn't pretty that was a lot of like hey setting a new culture um you know is this gilbert and you know it's gonna be got gilbert's team you know and you know it was really uh you know we, we got to get some pieces around him but this is going to be about him and Larry Hughes and you know Jerry Stackhouse didn't like it you know Jerry was you know kind of malingering a little bit with injuries and it just he wasn't a real happy guy and um, you, you could tell from the jump that Jerry and, and he wasn't going to be a side show to you know he wasn't going to be a he wasn't going to run shotgun you know right, right. shotgun I should say with Gilbert he didn't like it he wanted to be the guy I thought he should be the guy figure once Jordan was knocked out of the way that this would be his team and it never really materialized. And, of course, that offseason, um, after Eddie Jordan's first season with, with here, they were able to trade, you know, Stackhouse to get Antoine Jameson, which was huge. I mean, that was that mm-hmm. Antoine was the, as crazy as Gilbert was and reckless. Antoine was a steady force. And, you know, he made the team better. He was, he was in a position, a need position for them. Uh, also a guy who um, was uh, – you know, like again, a lot. You know, guy in the locker room that was a stabilizing force for them as well. So that was that was big. You know, to get him in there. So you had him and Larry and, and Gilbert. Well, there was their big three, and you know that was a, that was a good combination for a year. They were in the playoffs, went in the second round, which they hadn't been to forever. Um, you know, really overmatched against a very good Heat team in that second round. But you know, I think you you saw some things that could be good. And of course, that off season, you know, as quickly as they built that kind of core. You know, Larry Hughes was a hot free agent and. You know, the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James wanted him on that team. And, yep. you know, he, yep. t- he took a good money, a big money offer there and uh, went with them 
And then the Wizards did a nice pivot by being able to get Kwame Brown out of here, you know, and, mm-hmm. and get uh, and get Karan Butler in the mix. And, you know, this it's funny because, you know, there's so many good things Ernie Grunfeld did early in his career, you know, and then the way it ended for Ernie here, you know, with a lot of the fans and, you know, we're just so fed up with him at that point because he kind of – not to his fault. I mean, he didn't keep hiring himself, but, you know, in some senses, you could say overstate is welcome. But, you know, that's what happens sometimes in sports, you know, that you, the initial successes and the rebuilds, and then you kind of run out of the magic potion. They got to move on from you. But, you know, I, I just remember this early years, Ernie really, with, with that group you put together, did a nice job in a, in a short period of time getting them, you know, in his position to be relevant in the East again, you know, which right. had been forever since that had happened. It's just unfortunate they could never take that next step. They could never, you know, get beyond that. They just kept kind of, you know, hitting the wall, um, you know, in the, in the first round after that and never – of course, he kept playing Cleveland, which, which wasn't helpful in LeBron James, <laughs> which, which really was unfortunate. But, you know, they kept getting stuck in that 4-5 or five area seating-wise, and they just, you know, that, that was a tough thing. They had some really good series, but they were, they were winning them outside of that first series they played against the Bulls. And I think, um, you know, until obviously the, the second rebuild under Ernie, which was with Wall, and then obviously eventually Bradley Beal, um, you know, that, that, that group kind of had tapped out. Of course, all the off-the-floor stuff with Gilbert was unfortunate. Because, you know, I mean, people, they can't look at it now because they see this story. And if you didn't know him, he was, he was an electrifying guy. I mean, he was the number one athlete in town, um, you know, including Redskin players. And the Redskins, usually that doesn't happen here. Um, there's billboards of Gilbert Arenas. He was voted into the all-star team, um, you know, as a starter. I mean, there was no – begging to get on all-star teams for, from him. He was he was one of the most deadly players in the NBA in terms of offensive, you know, uh, arsenal. He could do everything. I mean, he, he sh- the way he shot from the outside, he was, he was, you know, he was absolutely cold-blooded. He didn't, he had no fear, didn't fear anybody. Um, and he was a great, great at getting to the ball, getting the ball to the hoop whenever he wanted to and getting the free throw line. He did so many good things, but it's such a, you know, such a tragic story in a sense with the way it ended. And, and I just hope for him, you know, the rest of his, non-basketball life ends up being good for him because I think you know deep down I think he's he's actually got a really good heart and just it just didn't uh didn't translate that way towards the end here yeah yeah I mean the biggest thing that you keep touching on is the fact that it's been such a rocky road and looking across the history just specifically since 2000 for the Wizards the number of players they've had come in that haven't it hasn't panned out. You know, you've had those moments of yep. excitement thinking, this is it. This is going to be the change we need. We've, there's been some big threes. There's been players, you know, going back to, uh, of course, pre-MJ, when you had players like Jawan Howard and Rod Strickland, Richard Hamilton, Mitch Richmond, didn't pan out. You know, you bring in MJ for a couple years, the Wizards are a team that everyone is watching, and it seems like you're moving in the right direction. And then as soon as MJ leaves, it's like, now what? You know? Right. But well, you look at – you look at – yeah, it's, it's, it's even been like this, like, franchise from the Bullets era outside of Wes Unseld, right? And, and um, mm-hmm. you know, like, in that group, I and mean, Wes Unseld was Mr. Bullet, right? He was with the franchise his, his entire career. But you have a huge chasm after him, right? I mean, Jeff Malone had a long run here, but was on some just okay teams. But Jeff was a really good player. But there was, like, the Moses Malone, the quick, you know, couple years here or there, the Beef Brothers for a short period of time, Mahorn and, and, and uh, Ruland. But they've never really stuck with anything for a long period of time. And, you know, Phil Chenier, you know, obviously, who was uh, the great, you know, TV analyst for many, many years. I mean, he was kind of, it was like him and Wes Unsel were the two faces of the past franchise, people that have actually stayed in the area in a lot of cases. You know, and Kevin Grevy did too, his business here. And, uh, you know, some other guys do as well, Todd Reardon. But outside of that, I mean, there, there is not 
um, a lot of players that played here, that stayed here, that were part of the fabric of the organization. It's unfortunate. And I think they've tried to reach out to some guys. But, I mean, as well as Antoine was liked here, he played a lot of other places as well. Um, you know, Larry Hughes has been back a few times, but, you know, I've been to other places as well. Same with, you know, mm -hmm. Gilbert obviously has been, you know, <laughs> he's not invited back. But I would be nice at some point if they did. If we just, you know, got over it because, you know, his career would be defined about what he did with the Wizards. Uh, as a player, unfortunately, the off-the-court stuff's always going to kind of haunt him. But, you know, there's just too much of that, like, you know, too much of the change over the years when it was the bullets, exactly. you know, just kind of let's throw a little duct tape on it to get at the eight seed or whatever and get in and, and make our playoff money. And uh, not really just looking at the long term. It was unfortunate, but that, that really, it, of all the franchises in, you know, in town, Capitals, uh, you know, not the count the Nats are too young, but of the three big franchises that have had history here, there's probably fewer former Bullets slash Wizards that are still in the area, which is, is odd compared to Redskins, which, you know, they're, they're everywhere. Former Washington Redskin players, now Washington football. And, right. you know, even Capitals. The Capitals have a pretty decent amount of alumni that still stick around here. But the, but the Wizards slash Bullets, Bullets slash Wizards, excuse me, have not. Yeah, exactly. That's the biggest thing that's, that's consistent. You know, the yeah. amount of talent that has come through the franchise over the years. Yeah you have seen a lot of these players leaving in not a great way. You know, they don't have a yeah. great history of or relationship that once they leave, it's still like yeah. they pay homage to the fact they played with the Wizards. It's kind of like you're burning bridges when they leave. And unfortunately right. now for the Wizards, you know, we're still seeing that, that same theme of just the rockiness. So coming up, we'll continue talking through the Wizards' history over the years. Who else gets annoyed every day, come lunch or dinner time, wondering, what am I going to eat? You don't feel like cooking, you've got a million emails to read, you've been busy with work and swamped, and you have so much going on, and your stomach's growling, and you don't know what to eat. Well, let DoorDash take care of your next meal if you want Chinese food, pizza, froyo, anything you have taste for, you can order it through DoorDash. Continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. And there are thousands that are open for delivery on DoorDash that you can now call, order, and now let them do the work for you. Support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash. You've counted on them, and now they're counting on you. So while their dining rooms may be closed, and maybe you don't really feel comfortable going out to get food, or you just don't feel like getting off your couch and changing out of your pajamas, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. So DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right now right to your door. Ordering's easy. Just open up the app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely right outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. So with over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos. Anything from restaurants, Chipotle, Wendy's, Cheesecake Factory, you name it, they're on DoorDash delivering contactless to your front door. So call right now, and anyone that's listening can get $5 off, zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNBA. So don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience. And without robbing you of the joy 
of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. We've got broadcaster Scott Jackson here on the show as we have been taking a trip down memory lane. He was covering the Wizards in the early 2000s and has watched them over the years. Now, Scott, I'm curious to know, the John Wall era starting in 2010 when he was drafted to adding in Bradley Beal, one of the the best backcourts in the league, but injuries have plagued them and a number of other issues where it just hasn't worked out. Here we are yet again trying to figure out how this group can get going and get over that hump to be a top team in the East and be more competitive in the league as a whole. Yet here we are yet again, having the same conversation around them just not panning out. So for Wizards fans as a whole that have followed them over the course of years, you know, you see that, that emotional roller coaster, so to speak of how will we finally get over that hump to consistently be a competitor. And I'm definitely interested to know your thoughts as the Wizards are now coming off of their official season, closed out the NBA restart, I know that uh, head coach Scott Brooks has been talking highly about the growth he saw in the young players, now bringing back Beal, hopefully DB, and bringing back a healthy wall. This is a whole different team. Do you think this is finally going to be a year that the Wizards turn that corner and consistently can be in the conversation? Well, I mean, it all starts with how healthy John Wall is, right? We've seen all the videos and all that stuff. That's great, but let's, you know, once you get into contact, is you're ready to stay on the floor. It starts there. Obviously, Bradley showed that he's a perennial all-star every year now. He's he's taking his game to a next level. And then the other part of it is, and I understand where Scott Brooks is coming from, but I almost look at this, and they, they hate to hear this, but this was kind of like watching Summer League to me, this bubble basketball with the Wizards part of it, at least. Um, you know, they won one game, and, and guys are playing in different roles, and they won't be playing next year. But John Wall and Bradley Beal back next year. There's 40 shots right there. They're not going to be distributed to Hachimori, uh, to, to Brown, uh, right. you know, to, to, you know, name another guy. I mean, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It, it, those guys aren't going to get those shots that they were getting. Mo Wagner is not going to get those as many opportunities. So can those guys accept the roles? Like being Thomas Bryant is not going to score 26 and have 16 boards with Wall and Beal on the floor. It's just not going to happen. What he's going to be asked to do is screen. He's going to ask to be a stronger defender. Uh, you know, he showed some progress there at times, but he, he's got to show better there. I think it's interesting. Brooks and Hachimori thinks can play, you know, the three spot. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, can he? I mean, you know, I haven't seen enough of that. He's got to be, have a better handle. He's got to be a little bit more athletic. He's got, he's going to have to guard some really tough players in the swing positions in this league, uh, especially in the Eastern Conference. To, to show me he can do that, but, you know, it'd be great to think he could, but, you know, again, they, those guys all, it was, it was good for them to get those games and I guess, um, but, you know, in terms of, you know, was it, what does it do for them going into next year? Is it a momentum builder? I don't know. I, I think it's almost like a reset mm-hmm. and, and we don't even know when the league's going to start for goodness sakes. I mean, they're going to be start, finishing so late. I mean, what's the season look like? Are we talking about a January through June season next year? Right. I, I don't even know what the NBA is going to look like next year uh, in terms of a season. So there's just a lot of unknown. I know they blew out their medical staff, uh, training staff. And, you know, these are the things that, that are going to happen. Now, Tommy Shepard, you know, he was given the job so late. 
um, after kind of the clumsy search for uh, a replacement for Andy Grunfeld, um, you know, he didn't really get a chance to kind of put his stamp on this thing. I don't think you're going to see any coaching change or anything like that. They're paying Scott Brooks a lot of money. They might as well let him play it out uh, and, you know, show if, if he's worth keeping around after his final year of his contract, quite frankly. I mean, you know, I, it's hard to justify the $7 million a year for the results at this point, and you could point to a lot of the injuries and all the other things going on. That's fine. Um, but, you know, that's, that's still a pretty good chunk of change, you know, for, for not being in the mix, you know what I mean? So uh, I'll be curious to see how they handle that, if they talk about it, at least attacking on a year to that contract, or if they just basically make him coach it out uh, this offseason. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, having been around the Wizards and watching them for, for so, so long and seeing the journey of the franchise and just the ups and downs of it, you know, how optimistic, if at all, are you with the future of the Wizards? You know, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I'd like to see them, you know, get another young piece, a good young piece in this draft. It just, you know, who knows? I mean, it depends, obviously, where the lottery chips fall. And it was unfortunate we didn't really get to watch college basketball yes, <laughs> to its conclusion yes. this year to have a great feel about, you know, who's who and what's what. And everything's so different right now. Um, you know, look, I like Tommy. I think Tommy's a smart guy. Um, and I know some people, you know, like, wow, well, he's one of Ernie's guys. Yeah, but no, I mean, Tommy's been well – Look, he's the guy who's really worked his way up the league. I'd like to see him get, be given some time to to kind of form this franchise the way he wants to. And if and if uh, Ted Leonsis lets him do that, I, I think some good things can happen. But there are some inherent issues that, you know, that, that he's going to have to deal with and others have not really been able to get past. I mean, this has not been a free agent destination ever. I mean, right. nobody has, you know, been a free agent today. I got to come here. That's been a highly sought after free agent. Yeah. You, you got arenas is restricted. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. Paul Pierce was kind of had a few options his year and he came here, but you know, he was older. It was not the same thing. I mean, it, again, we saw it with KD didn't even give him the time of day. I mean, they just have not been a free agent destination. And then, you know, they swung and missed big time on a lot of these, the money free agents they've spent on. So, those kind of things, at some point, you know, you're going to have to be able to do that. You're going to have to wield a big trade. Uh, you're going to have to do something to kind of, re- you know, to, to restructure the core here. Um, if, if, if Wall and Beal, you know, both can't, you know, if Wall, I should say, can't come back completely healthy and he's got a huge contract, obviously Beal's, you know, got a big contract as well. And, you know, you, you just got to hope those guys come back and play close to where they were, what, three seasons ago now mm-hmm. together. And then the rest of this group can kind of gel in there and everybody will accept their roles and fit in. And that's really the hope right now, um, you know, because, again, like the top three agents are coming here. So that, that's kind of the way you got to do it. And you got to build a culture and then get that set. And I think, again, it's been a weird year. Like I said, it's been kind of choppy from the start um, for the way Tommy was handed off, you know, the, the role as being, you know, the, the, the president of basketball operations. So I, I you know, again, I, I think he's capable of doing it. He's just going to gonna need some time and it's, it's not going to be easy, but you know, the, the one thing with the NBA is nothing ever seems to say the same. And unfortunately, except for the wizards, <laughs> right? Like yeah, there's all this yeah. <laughs> massive change and upheaval, but this team kind of like is stuck in that, you know, Hey, we're first round team, uh, you know, on a good year, you get to the second round, and, and that's kind of been it. I mean, that's been the ceiling forever, uh, obviously, since the, uh, the late 70s. So, I mean, you, at some point, you'd like to think that they can, they can burst that bubble and, and, uh, and be one of these top four teams or top three teams in the, in the conference and, and be there consistently. Yeah, I definitely will say that looking at this group, having had the experience of playing without Beal, without DB, without Wall in the bubble should go a long way. Now you hopefully bring in a nice draft pick. You bring back a healthy Wall, Beal, and DB. 
And it should be a completely different team moving forward next year that we're having a different conversation a year from now. But let's keep our fingers crossed and hope that everything aligns like it should because there's potential. But as we know, unfortunately, especially for the Wizards, things don't always pan out the way they should on paper. The way that we look at them to be, they may not always work out that way. So, Scott, where can people follow you to keep up with your content and coverage that you're doing? Uh, At Jackson Sports on Twitter and – Always uh, appreciate uh, getting to talk about uh, old Wizards basketball. Thank you. (laughs) Of course. Thank you so much for joining us here on Locked on Wizards. It's been a pleasure having you on to take that trip down memory lane, which unfortunately is not a fun one. (laughs) But (laughs) we got to remember where the Wizards came from as we hope that they can change that path and be a little bit better moving forward. So thank you. Thank you. So thank you all for taking that trip down memory lane with Scott and me as we looked at the ups and downs over the last two decades of the Wizards. And as we near the NBA lottery draft on Thursday night, more to talk around what's going on with the Wizards and in the league. So stay tuned for that here on Locked on Wizards. I'm your host, Renee Washington. Hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with our daily updates and content. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you back here for more news around the Wizards. Washington, out. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.